Vegas. Yeah. Woo! Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. You're fired. Here on rrfreeradio.org. That was Jushin Thunder Liger's theme, and 
he did recently re- retire, uh, and we'll be talking about him later on, as well as all kinds of Japanese wrestlers wrestling in America. But first, I am Mike Dickerson, and I have with me here George Garner. Good evening. Across the table, I've got the, well, let's see if I get this right, <laughs> number one world champion of all time in USWF and AWL Powerbomb Ringside Hall of Famer. You got it right. Yeah, good, good for you, for man. Me. Blackjack Charlie. Well, the threat of physical harm is a big incentive. He's, these <laughs> he's just going to award it to himself like uh, <laughs> they awarded Triple H the world title all Thanks, those years Vince. ago. <laughs> Thanks, Blackjack. I'll take this. And I'll never defend it. No. <laughs> hey, I'm the host here. I can uh, make the rules for that. It can be a 24-7 title. Yeah, yeah. Just as long as it's John Omita and Maniac Mike I'm fighting, I'm good. Uh, I don't think they can really run very fast, so... Um, I don't know. I've seen those guys at a buffet. Yeah. <laughs> they, can, they can move. I know uh, I know. John Almeida does have the um, the habit of taking the chicken yeah. home with him in his pocket from the buffet. <laughs> All right. All right. Before we uh, get into the main topic, let's uh, go over a few current things that have been going on in the wrestling world. Uh, a couple of sad things first. Uh, we have some deaths to report. Uh, the first one, uh, just the other day, Triple A's Laparka. Now... He wasn't the original one that uh, appeared in WCW, but uh, I do believe, as Blackjack was saying before we went on the air, he actually has that gimmick more, longer. Um, basically, um, when the original Park was taking off in WCW, AAA owned the gimmick, so they repackaged um, a different that gimmick. Unfortunately, he had an injured of a injury in a match a few months back. And at the time, it seemed like he was going to be okay. They were saying, well, he's really a couple days ago. Uh, his kidneys failed, and I guess he had lung failure after that, too, and passed away due to the injuries. Uh, from what I understand, I didn't know this, but he had been paralyzed from the injury, which yeah. I did not know, because when the original news reports were coming out, they were saying he's really lucky it wasn't worse, which would lead me to believe he would at least be able to be up and walking around, but... Just a very, very bad, very um, crappy situation. Just a, what was the injury? Was it done to him by somebody clumsy, no, or he, did he, <coughs> try he did a it spot diving him? out of the yeah. ring? Yeah, it was basically a, do- a botched dive. Um, another one, an old school wrestler that recently passed away, Pampero Firpo, at age 89. Um, he had been a wrestler for over 30 years in the ring, and actually had worked after he retired as a wrestler. He worked for 25 years for the United States Post Office, which um, I thought was interesting. Obviously, all that combat skill kept him alive during yes. those postal rage days. <laughs> yes. Wrestling dogs that came at him, putting them in cross-faced chicken wings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and unfortunately, one more, um, which actually fits in with um, the theme we'll be talking about later, Kendo Nagasaki, who wrestled in America, um, not to be confused with the Kendo Nagasaki that wrestled in Britain, but uh, this one, a uh, Japanese wrestler, uh, he wrestled, uh, he had a big run with Dusty Rhodes in Florida. He wrestled in Stampede Wrestling, uh, where he was actually one of Bret Hart's original trainers, uh, as well as having a, a successful tag team in Puerto Rico with Mr. Pogo. So, very sad. Three, like, right in a very short amount of time. That really sucks. I got a question for you. Yes. Do you think someone's actually going to take over Le Parker's spot, or do you think they're going to retire it? I think they'll just retire. The original pretty much has the same gimmick, L.A. Park, Park, wrestling in MLW right now. 
So I think that's pretty much as close to the gimmick as they'll do. I don't think they'll actually have a new official Laparka. Plus, most of the moves that he made famous have been already, let's just say, borrowed by other people. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Uh, one more note on that. That's actually, um, AAA actually did the same thing with Psychosis. Uh, when he was in WCW, they uh, came up with a new Psychosis in AAA. So when he left WCW and went back to Mexico, uh, he actually had to change his name for that. He was uh, Nicho El Millonario, I believe, hmm. at that time. Um, so, as I mentioned, um, Jushin Thunder Liger retired, uh, and we'll move on now. We'll talk a little bit about Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, New Japan had their big show of the year. It was actually two shows this year, uh, January 4th and 5th, at the Tokyo Dome, uh, where Liger had his retirement matches. The first night, he uh, lost in an eight-man tag. He got pinned by Ryusuke Taguchi, uh, and the second night, he got pinned in a regular tag match by Hiromu Takahashi who himself, the night before, won the IWGP Junior Heavyweight title off of Will Osprey. So kind of doing the right thing, going out and putting over some... Well, Taguchi's not that young, but Hiromu's definitely one of the young guys, one of the uprising stars in the Junior Heavyweight division. Uh, the main event of the first night was Kazuchika Okada uh, beating Kota Ibushi to retain the IWGP World Heavyweight title. Uh, and then the next night... Tetsuya Naito, who had won the Intercontinental title, the New Japan Intercontinental title, obviously, on the first night of Wrestle Kingdom, defeated Okada in a title match. So now he has both belts. Uh, also on the second night, um, Chris Jericho defeated Hiroshi Tanahashi in a really big match where if Tanahashi had won, he would have gotten the opportunity to challenge for the AEW title, which is pretty good to see them working together. There was actually some bad blood between the two sides, but um, it's nice that they're kind of working together and they're open to mentioning each other because the deal that Chris Jericho has with New Japan is separate from his AEW deal. It was already in place, but so that's good. Uh, John Moxley also, another AEW guy, uh, won the U.S. title, the New Japan U.S. title on the first night, defeating Lance Archer. And he successfully defended it on the second night against Juice Robinson. So that's another good sign. They've got an AEW guy holding one of their belts right now. So to w I'm going to talk about a couple of WWE things. Uh, first of all, Brock Lesnar, it was announced he's going to be in the Royal Rumble. And he's going to be number one, actually. Which I know uh, I was talking to Blackjack before this. Uh, and you stated your opinion was that that's kind of stupid. Um, but I don't know. I think it can be cool, even given the right storyline. I don't necessarily want to see him in there the whole time, especially if the rumor of it being a 60-man rumble is true, which I hadn't heard until you mentioned it just 60-man Royal Rumble? I, he said he heard it from Lenny, so Lenny yeah. doing. Yeah, so I don't know. I don't, uh, see I, how that, I don't see how that's even workable. I They've done it so. before. Unless they, they do World War Three style and put three yeah. rings in there. Yeah, but yeah. keep in mind, they did a 60-man Royal Rumble back uh, for Arabia. Yeah, well, uh, that one was 50-man. Uh, right, but that's what yeah. they, so that's where they tried the idea. Yeah. But, but keep in mind, I'm not saying this to badmouth the guy. I love him, but he's not, he's not the smartest guy around. And he, he probably he might have just heard that as a rumor. <laughs> but um, anyways... I'm thinking, like, I don't think he's going to win the Rumble. I think he's going to last a long time, probably till the end. But it would be a great opportunity for someone like an Aleister Black or a Drew McIntyre to eliminate him 
and then challenge him for the title at WrestleMania. He could la- he could last a long time, or he could go out really quick. Yeah, which um he does like the quick matches, but I don't see him necessarily jobbing in a rumble that quick, especially um in the rumble. He can take a lot of time to just stand around. Right. He can basically go through a table and go to sleep for a while. I know <laughs> they did that with Roman Reigns a few years ago when he was in for pretty much the whole match. Yeah, well, he doesn't have to drop, but that's the thing. See, he doesn't have to drop yeah. and go out of a Royal Rumble early. I mean, I'm thinking oh. back in the days of, like, King Kong Bundy at his height. Yeah. When King Kong Bundy was the number one guy, heel-wise. And um, he was thrown out of, I, th- I think it was a Royal Rumble or a Battle Royal really early. Yeah. And it didn't, do a, it didn't harm him didn't one bit because him. it was ten guys that threw him out. Yeah. So... They could definitely do that. I think it would be better, rather than having multiple guys throw him out, I think it would be better to have one guy throw him out to elevate someone. And that builds up to the WrestleMania match as well. Yeah, I'm definitely rooting for Alex or Black, but unfortunately I think they're going to treat him like they do uh, the Swiss Superman. Yeah. Because yep. he seems to be in limbo with the middle yeah. middle Mid-card, yeah. mid-carders and that's unfortunate because Alistair Black is an outstanding wrestler. Yeah, they just don't know what right. to do with him. Oh. Yeah. Uh, we had a couple of returns on this week. Um, the Big Show came back right after we had done an episode about him, so it's almost like they're listening to us. <laughs> um, and another one was pretty cool. John Morrison uh, is back on SmackDown and he's actually aligned with The Miz again. Which is pretty cool. Um, that their original tag team back uh, ten or whatever years ago was actually the first time I really liked the Miz. I thought they gel really well together to, together as a team. So I'm really looking forward to that uh, and seeing what they do with them. Yeah, they, him doing that dares out of nowhere the, into Big E, the parkour flip thing. Yeah, where did that come from? <laughs> it's just like out of nowhere. It looked like something out of a like. Well, you're talking about Japanese yeah. wrestling. It looked like something from a Japanese movie. Yeah. <laughs> Stood still. Wah! It's like, what the hell? Well, he does uh, He does practice parkour. I remember when that was a big thing uh, back uh, before, back in his other run in WWE. They would show him, like, jumping off of things backstage and doing the parkour stuff, so... Well, hopefully he doesn't. Yeah. Hopefully he doesn't disable himself too quick because with 10 more years of experience under their belts, yeah. if they were a decent team before, they... I'm saying they would be a really effective team now. Yeah, and I'm glad to see Miz as a heel again. He's way better as a heel than as a babyface. He's just got that natural heel charisma to him. Yeah, and you know the thing is, like, I love New Day. Yeah. I don't know anybody in the wrestling world that doesn't like them, but I am actually looking forward to Miz and uh, Morrison trying to take the belts from them. Yeah, that's going to be a good match. That will be cool. That I would almost put money on that they'll do that at WrestleMania. I really hope so. That would be a really good one. Hopefully, don't stick it on the pre-show, though. Right, well, um, what time's WrestleMania starting this year? Noon? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's starting like 11 p.m. the <laughs> night before. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, something we don't talk about too much, uh, Impact Wrestling, they ch- crowned a new world champion last night, Tessa Blanchard, which is the first female to win a major world title. Comes at kind of an unfortunate time as there's like there's been some controversy around her. The last weekend, a lot of female wrestlers are coming out and saying that she was a bully. She's bullied them. Uh, one particular story was um, spitting in a black female wrestler's face and calling her the N-word. Uh, that wrestler being La Rosa Negra. Apparently, this happened a couple of years back in Japan. But I guess you know whatever. She's the champion. I don't really have. Um, 
don't really follow Impact that much, so I can't uh, really say. But apparently, she is doing really good there. I don't follow it at I all. Don't, at all either. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was a brain fart right there. I was like, oh, what am I gonna say? I don't really have much info well, other than that. CNA had they had their chance. Yeah, they yeah. had their chance. They and actually they committed the cardinal sin and crime of getting my hopes up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They yeah. had their chance when they had guys like AJ Styles and yeah, Christopher and Daniels, and then they let all the good guys go. Like their biggest mistake, and I hate to say this, was hiring Hogan and freaking Ric Flair. Oh no, that was definitely that was that, that, was, yeah. that was done. Yeah, we're all nodding. <laughs> Very rarely is there something unanimous on this show, but we all nodded in agreement on that one. <laughs> and don't forget about Vince Russo and Eric Bischoff as well. So yeah, that was yeah. a nail in the coffin, and <laughs> what the guy from uh, Smashing Pumpkins hiring him yeah. too. Like, although you didn't see what he did to ECW, <laughs> although he seems to be doing pretty good running NWA yeah. these days. Yeah, I've caught a little bit of the NWA power. I don't watch it every week, but it does seem like a pretty decent little one-hour show on YouTube. So if you have some time to check that out, that's actually something I'd recommend. And uh, one week after that, obviously, you know, I've, you know, I'm a pretty big AEW fan. I just wanted to mention. And it's something that uh, I had a conversation with Blackjack about uh, about a week ago. How awesome is Dustin Rhodes? Like, seriously, still. The guy's like 50-something years old, and he's busting out Canadian Destroyers. Yeah, Canadian Destroyers yeah. flipping yes. off the ropes. And, and having an awesome match, uh, Brothers versus Brothers, with himself and Cody against the Lucha Bros uh, last week, which was, I really liked it. Before you go to the music like you wanted to, what do you think is going to happen with them PP in the day? I <laughs> don't see him actually getting involved much. I think they'll probably do an ass kicked early. Or maybe he'll be lying unconscious on the floor in the back. He's going to do yoga. Those, yeah. deep, well, those times that he was doing were Not horrible. Good. Yeah, those were really, really. Like salami cutters. Yeah. <laughs> That's bad. Colonial cutters. Yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's get down to some music now after that. Um. So we're going to be talking about Japanese wrestlers in America. How about Japanese bands singing a song about America? Uh, and this is a cover of an old classic song from back in, I believe, the 60s. Standard with California Drive Free Radio. <laughs>
All right, we are back, and that was California Dreamin' by High Standard, a cover of an old Mamas and Papas song from which, way back. Which, by the way, our friend Grimlock Stonehammer did not like that song. Oh yeah, why not? He said it sucks. Ah, uh, he sucks. No, <laughs> he doesn't. Thank you for listening. <laughs> <laughs> You've insulted two of your listeners so far tonight. You're on a roll. Yeah, I know. Like one of them sucks, the and one of them isn't very smart. Uh, I don't think Lenny's listening. I don't know. He's listened a couple times. I called him out one time on the air, and he didn't mention it, so I don't think he's listening. No, thank you. Big shout-out to Grimlock, though, uh, for listening. Thank you very much. I do appreciate that a lot. So we're here, and we're talking. Are we going to right now start talking about Japanese wrestlers wrestling in America? And it's kind of fitting that I started off with California Dreamin' because I want to talk about first the – person that's pretty much considered the father of Japanese wrestling, Ricky Dozen. Uh, he pretty much is the guy that popularized wrestling in Japan. And actually going all the way back to the 60s, he had a classic feud with Classy Freddie Blassie in California, which is one of the first, um, obviously one of the first big times where you have a Japanese wrestler coming over here and having high-profile matches with uh, American star. That had to be a big to-do, too, because yeah. Freddie was a World War II veteran, and he was a World War II veteran in the Japanese front. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, I was just going to ask that, because um, Freddie Blassie was always a tweener, depending on which coast he was on. Now in Cali- But I'm assuming that in California, he was a babyface, right? I would think so, um, especially that is the 60s, so it's only a couple of decades removed. Yeah, he from, would have to be, you know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, actually, last time we were here, we were talking about when was the first time there was a real face uh, Japanese wrestler. That's right. That's right. The sentiments of World War II. Thinking about it, I would say probably the Jumping Bomb Angels in the 80s. Would For, l- first, huh? Would likely be the first ones that I can think of that were really huh. on a major scale in America right. as faces. See, I want to disagree with you, but I, you're right. I can't come up with a name. That was the That's earliest ones I could come up with, yeah. Some cool trivia for you. Um, our good friend Matt DeGrade, a.k.a. the Lariat, yep. his grandfather served on the boat with Freddie. Nice. So the two of them actually knew each other growing up, and he signed an autograph for the Lariat, which I'm pretty sure what got him into wrestling, calling him a rubberneck pencil neck geek. Pencil <laughs> neck geek. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, so. yeah. Let's go back uh, to some of, some, some of the other ones from way back in the day. Uh, of course, you had Hiro Matsuda who was the person who trained Hulk Hogan and actually broke Hulk Hogan's leg while they were training. Uh, he didn't think Hulk had what it takes or had what it took, so he broke his leg. And I guess months later, Hulk showed back up, and that's when he has finally gained some respect for him. Uh, I was just reading up on that today, and at the time when he was training Hogan, he was wrestling six days a week, and on his one day off, he was training the newcomer. So you Damn. could see where... yeah. Also going back, uh, of course, you have the classic tag team, uh, one of the early WWF tag team champions, Mr. Fuji and Professor Toro Tanaka. Uh, of course, a lot of younger fans, a lot of fans around th- the age of the people in the room right now remember Fuji best as a manager, but he, the two of them actually did not get along. Uh, Tanaka was much more of the business guy. He was much more like... I want to make a living in the wrestling business and support my family. I just, you know, I want to have my match, shake everyone's hand, go home. And I think the problem, the additional problem was that, you know, from looking at the matches from back in those days with Tanaka and Fuji, Tanaka always, it was kind of like Edge and Christian. Yes. 
I mean, Christian was a hard worker, mm-hmm. but Edge always had the charisma yeah. all over him. And the same thing was true with Tanaka and Fuji. Fuji was definitely the second, yeah, the second rate guy to Tanaka. Yes. Even though he might have been good on his own, he was always in Tanaka's shadow as a performer. Yeah, and it was actually um, kind of like an unofficial part of Tanaka's job that he had to watch over Fuji and make sure he didn't get into any trouble yeah. too, because <laughs> he was definitely the more uncontrollable of the two. It's actually um, an old story which. Is definitely one of my least favorite stories of all time, but it's something to say because um, it's a story to tell. Uh, if you remember, we've mentioned it a couple of times on here. Um, the old angle with Al Snow's dog and the big boss man cooking oh, yeah. him. That's actually based on an apparently real story of Fuji ba- way back in the day uh, cooking one of the wrestler's dogs in, as a revenge thing and feeding it to him, which is... Eh, I don't agree with that at all. Which reminds me, how's that lasagna? <laughs> <laughs> you mean that's not eggplant in there? Uh, uh-huh. Yeah. Although that was going way, way, way back. And um, I'd like to think, hopefully, it was just a rumor. It sounds like a rumor. Yeah, I would hope so. Yeah. It's something I've heard from many people. Something, speaking on the topic of Fuji, I'll say a much better story, a much funnier story, when he was managing Yokozuna and they did the body slam challenge on the USS Intrepid. Uh, if you've been there, I've actually been there a couple of years ago on that very boat uh, in July. It's really hot in the, out there. There's no shade. And they had the ring out there all day, basically, getting hot. So, of course, Yokozuna always wrestled barefoot. So what does he do the first thing when he comes in the ring? He kicks his uh, flip-flops off and he realizes how hot it is, but... Fuji kicks them onto the floor so he can't get them. (laughs) So he has to basically dance around for a while until he just accepts it and burns the bottom of his feet. Uh, So that was Fuji. Yes, that was Fuji. (laughs) (laughs) A much better story. Um, Jump ahead a little bit to um, the 80s and 90s. Um, The wrestlers that I really remember seeing and getting me interested a little bit in Japanese wrestling was Liger and also Great Muda. Uh, from their appearances in WCW. And Liger actually has the distinction of wrestling in the first match at the very first Nitro ever against Brian Pillman. Uh, It's actually a rematch of a match in WCW they had a few years earlier. Uh, He also wrestled Rey Mysterio for the Cruiserweight title at one point on Nitro as well. Uh, With Muda, he uh, was a big heel. Uh, In kayfabe, he's actually... The son, not in real life, but in kayfabe, of the great Kabuki, who also has made appearances. He made appearances in WWF in the 90s, actually, alongside uh, Genichiro Tenryu, uh, including the Royal Rumble in Providence, where they helped take out Lex Luger Ah. in the back, and also they helped seal The Undertaker in the coffin. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But one thing I always remember as a kid from Muda that I loved was The Mist, which was just... Like the, the green, coolest thing the at the time. Yeah. yeah, and one I specifically mentioned that because I wanted to bring up there was one time in WCW where he was wrestling Sting and he did a yellow mist, but the WCW in their infinite wisdom somehow missed it on the camera angle. I think the lighting was like in the way or something like that. So that was unfortunate. Yeah. I've always loved the mist. I like, um, we're going to talk a little bit more about um, the female wrestlers in a little bit, but. 
Asuka bringing the Miss back is really yeah, that, awesome. That's pretty cool. Yes. I like her uh, face paint a little better than her strike, yes, too. I love that, too. And, you know, speaking of the uh, Japanese female wrestlers, let's go to a theme song of one of them, uh, Asuka's tag team partner, Kairi Sane. And when we come back, we'll talk about the Kabuki Warriors and some of the other Joshi or Japanese female wrestlers who've competed in America, in America from throughout the years. So let's go down to some, that song right now.
that on RIPRadio.org, and that was Kyrie Sane's theme. And before we go on to some of the female wrestlers from Japan that are making an impact or have made impacts in America throughout the years, uh, George did remind me of one that I should bring up, and that is Antonio Inoki. Uh, he's another one that competed in California as well. He had some big matches over the air, over there over the years. Also did some appearances with WCW, including a Clash of the Champions match with Steven Regal. Uh, and also put on the, uh, it's not in America, but I do want to mention it because it is another foreign country from Japan. He put on the Collision in Korea show, in North Korea actually, with WCW, which... He was, of all the people on the, that was another one where it was two shows, and he was the main event of the last show, the second show, against Ric Flair. And of all the people on the shows, he was the only one that the Korean people reacted to <laughs> because he is was trained. He was the disciple of, from, or the disciple of, I should say, uh, Ricky Dozen, as I mentioned. Um, and before, uh, Ricky Dozen actually was born in Korea and is still a big hero over in the North Korean side. Uh, and when the fans noticed they, Antonio Noki was there and they knew, they didn't know anything about wrestling, but they knew this guy was a disciple of Ricky Dozen. Uh, that was the only one that they really cared about. Yeah. Uh, which actually, if you listen to some people who were on those shows, there's kind of a theory that that was done on purpose. Noki wanted to knowing that he would be the only one that would really get any kind of recognition. And over originally, too, for the show, but he basically said, told them, uh, F no, I'm mm-hmm. not going. So they got Ric Flair as well instead. I don't, know, I don't know if one country could have held two egos that big anyway. <laughs> I think it uh, was probably for the best. They have wrestled in uh, Japan, but that was um, when Hogan Zika was maybe a little bit smaller. Right, yeah. AWA days, right? Yeah, Japan's yeah. a slightly larger con- country than uh, North Korea, so it's a little more room for ego. Right, and plus you figure, I mean, even Hulk Hogan would acknowledge that if he's going to rescue the Japanese icon yeah. in Japan, mm-hmm. saying, that's different than meeting him on neutral ground. Yes, Yeah. which in reality wouldn't have been neutral ground because of the whole Ricky Dozan thing. Right. So how stiff do you think that match was between Antonio and Regal? Because I heard oh, Regal's yeah. a very stiff worker um, in the ring. I would guess it would, was probably pretty <laughs> stiff. It is on YouTube. I um, noticed it uh, actually earlier today. Uh, I didn't get a chance to watch it yet. As I was writing down the songs and preparing stuff and getting a little last-minute details for today's show. But I did m- notice that one's on YouTube, so I think that's something later on I'm going to have to check out. Stephen Regal's almost as bad as John Bradshaw Layfield as far as just legitimately beating the crap out of people in the ring. And I heard yeah. Regal was a little scarier, hmm. too. Uh, well, I he, would believe it. That would be a good show, doing it on Regal one of these Regal yeah. came, came up in the carny circuit, right? I mean, yeah. it doesn't get any tougher than that. Bare-fisted boxer, Literally too. fighting for, like, dollars and quarters. And then he also came up after that in the British system with uh, Finley. And if you listen, I remember when uh, Regal was on Austin's podcast, he was talking about Finley. Um was training some of the people who were going to be not full-time wrestlers, but basically if you know anything about um, classic British wrestling from back in those days, the big feud was Big Daddy against Giant Haystacks. And Giant Haystacks was a very large person. He wrestled in WCW briefly as Loch Ness as well. Uh, And basically uh, 
to build up for their big matches, they would bring in these other guys who were very large, who weren't full-time wrestlers. Wrestlers, they basically just bring them in. Uh, so Big squ- Daddy could get a, yeah. So yeah. Big Daddy could get a win over another giant before facing the big money giant. And I guess Finley would like brutalize the crap out of these guys <laughs> when he's training them for their like for basically their one match. Big Haystacks was also known as one of those wrestlers that were very odorous. Yes, I, you can tell. I mean, you, if you look at his teeth and his mouth, yeah, you could tell. You could just <laughs> tell that at least right there is probably bad breath. But uh, when you're that large, you probably aren't really that good at cleaning yourself either. I mean, he, can you really get in all the crevices? So I know, I know, I know the other Haystack, Haystack's Calhoun. Yeah. There were some stories by the other yeah. wrestlers about him. Yes. Not I, actually, I, the FCC would probably forbid me to repeat them over the air <laughs> if I was to repeat some of the Haystacks Calhoun stories. My goodness! Well, yeah. Happy Humphreys, isn't that why they ended up bringing on someone to bathe yeah. him because the wrestlers were complaining about his funk? Harley Race, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was his first job. Launched um, a whole career washing a guy with a rag on a stick. <laughs> yes. <laughs> actually, um, you mentioned Haystacks Calhoun. He was actually the inspiration for Giant Haystacks' name. He borrowed. The name from him. So let's talk a little bit, um, as I was saying before, about uh, some of the Japanese women's wrestlers. Um, of course, you have the Kabuki Warriors in WWE, uh, Kairi Sane and Asuka, which is a really nice team. I like them. Sane, she kind of got effed up a little bit um, by uh, Charlotte. Was it a powerbomb? Yeah, powerbomb yeah, power to, to the table. Yeah, on the TLC show. Um which I didn't catch that one, but I did see another video afterwards of Becky Lynch basically rolling Kyrie under the ring to protect her from any further damage after that. It was actually, there was another table spot right after that, I think, where Oscar uh, was going to the table. I don't know, is Flair suffering from maybe, I don't know, some kind of complex of a lack of respect or maybe dad sh- something. There's something wrong there yeah. psychologically. There's no question about it. Uh, maybe. So I have to ask the proverbial yes. question. Which one in the sack? Oscar? Oh, Oscar, yeah. Yeah. Kyrie's Kyrie? Kyrie's hotter. I mean cuter. Kyrie's cuter. But Oscar looks Asuka's, like she's crazy. Yes. And I've been following her career for a long time when she uh from back when she was Kana in Japan. Uh didn't she have a gimmick too where she was kind of like an S S and M? Yeah, uh, talent. Yes, she did. Yeah, I thought so. I've just, seen pictures of just that. Just remember, yes. Mike, we no longer have money in the budget to defend restraining orders. So, all right, I will. Um, no more will showing up backstage. My, <laughs> I will keep my mouth shut. Um, she actually, um, back when she was in Japan, she actually was sponsored by uh, Xbox 360, and she actually wrote for the Xbox 360 magazine. So she would always have a big uh, logo for Xbox 360 on a. Her ass, basically, <laughs> on the ass of her trunks. Uh, when th- when she was over in Japan, she was also a part of a stable with another WWE talent, uh, Io Shirai. The two of them and uh, Io's sister, Mio, who is uh, retired these days, but they were triple tails for a while until they had a little bit of a falling out uh, between Io and, uh, and Asuka. Uh, and she, Io, actually got in some trouble too in Mexico she was dating a Japanese wrestler at the time Nosawa and they were in Mexico wrestling and another wrestler um Takuya Sugi who uh, 
had about a million gimmicks uh, mm. in wrestling, including one called El Blazer, which will um, be a little bit ironic when you, although he wasn't talking about the green stuff, but he basically, he was pissed off at Nosawa, so he hid weed in the painting that he made for them. <laughs> and they got stopped at, uh, at customs at the airport and were uh, briefly detained in Mexico, which uh, that's not a place where I'd want to be detained. No. No. Uh, over on the AEW side, we've got some wrestlers I'm a big fan of. Um, we've got Riho for one thing, uh, Hikaru Shida also. They both were originally from the Ice Ribbon promotion, which if you hear the commentary they mentioned, Riho, she's been wrestling since she was nine. Basically, Ice Ribbon it started a lot different than other promotions. It was kind of it was uh, started by Emi Sakura, who's also in AEW. It, w- it was basically an after-school thing for girls, for young girls in the area to keep them out of trouble. But eventually, the original trainees they started getting older, and they started running in actual buildings. Originally, uh, Ice Ribbon it was just in a little room with mats on the floor and a chair in the corner for them to do, like, high spots off of. And oh, ri- that kind of reminds me of back in my days of uh, Travis Savage. Uh, we had Battle in the Living Room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, originally, um, the audience also was only the parents of the trainees. But eventually, as the original trainees started getting older and as they started running in real buildings with real rings and they started getting some adult trainees as well, uh, they actually c- became like a legitimate indie promotion over there, a women's indie promotion. Uh, and they eventually signed to Karoshida, who came in originally actually as a part of a drama show uh, in Japan called Muscle Venus, where it was like a bunch of models were becoming wrestlers. Um, they had, I think, like six or seven of them originally, but herself and two others ended up sticking around. And Shida actually ended up becoming one of the best women's wrestlers in the world after that. So, I mean, they find you can find wrestlers anywhere, pretty much. They come from any part of the business or any part of the world or any part of life. Life. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm, my brain's farting a couple times today. I can smell it from over here, man. Yes, you need is. a good stiff chair I shot there to get was it some, rattling. I think there was some... Uh, beans in these eggplants. Well, plus been hanging the, plus out with giant haystacks. Yeah, or John Almeida. <laughs> yeah, plus the fact that this whole business of Japanese wrestlers mm-hmm. is a, it's a big subject. I mean, yeah, because you know, the not, casual listener yeah. says, okay, you know, you got the Jumping Bomb Angels, you got yes. Toro Tanaka, you got Anoki, and you got maybe mm-hmm. three or four other people. It's not. It's no. much, much bigger yeah. than that. And actually, um, yeah, we got some time. I'm gonna end up. Um, Skipping one of the songs I have written down, but that's all right. Because uh, we have some more stuff to talk about. Actually, uh, someone that Blackjack mentioned from the mid-90s. Uh, I believe he mentioned it during one of the songs. Hakushi was someone that I wanted to mention. I love him. Yes, Jinzei uh, uh, Shinzaki uh, from the Michinoku Pro promotion. And also, um, great Sasuke's from there, as well as Kai and Tai. Uh, and of course, Kai and Tai, Taka Michinoku. He was uh, basically the guy they brought in to legitimize, legitimize, I can't say that word right, legitimize, we'll go with. Make legitimate. Yes, make legitimate the uh, <laughs> the light heavyweight division when they were doing that in the late 90s. Uh, and they brought in Sasuke to wrestle him as well. Uh, and eventually they brought in Funaki, Dick Togo, and Men's Teo to be Kai and Tai, uh, originally feuding with Taka, but then teaming up. Which, of course, had 
the classic um, moment, I choppy choppy your pee pee. That's the only just, thing those guys are known for. No, <laughs> yeah. no, no. Um, the Godzilla stuff too. Yeah, yeah. But still, the choppy choppy pee pee thing. That was the, the big that, one. Yeah. That, Unfortunately, yeah. the manager um, that said that Shun or Wally Yamaguchi actually passed away recently. Uh, the guy who does commentary, when you see them going through all the international commentators these days. The guy who does commentary with Funakida was his brother, Shun Yamaguchi. Uh, the Kaintai, they're actually a stable in Japan in Michinoku Pro. Uh, and there was the four of them, uh, Dick, Tego, Dick Togo, Mensteo, Taka Michinoku, and Funaki. And also, Kaz Hayashi, from who would later on to be in WCW, was also a member of that under a mask as Shiryu. Uh, they also, before they were in... Uh, WWE, they actually appeared uh, in uh, ECW at the first ECW pay-per-view, Barely Legal. It was um, Dick Togo, Taka, and Terry Boy, a.k.a. Men's Tale. And they were against Sasuke, uh, Gran Hamada, and Masato Yakashiji. And I remember them doing the streamer gimmick, which was the first time I had seen that when I saw that pay-per-view. I'm thinking, wow, that's so cool. Then seeing in the main event, since they just kicked the streamers under the ring after, seeing them getting all tangled up in the barbed wire and wait a, wait getting all tangled up in Terry Funk. Wait a minute. You can't say legitimati legitimatize, but you can say all those Japanese names? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, yeah. Well, it helps that I've studied j the Japanese language, so I know like how the names are supposed to be pronounced when I look at them. So I have a good story. I know it's, it's your show, but I wanted yeah. to tell this. I had the opportunity to meet Hakushi. Uh, he was supposed to be signing autographs up in Providence. And I was very excited to meet him because I, I was a Bret Hart fan, but it, for some reason I kind of leaned towards him and yeah. I wanted him to win. Um, but instead he got sick and they replaced him with Savio Vega. Yeah. And I was pissed. <laughs> I did not want to meet Savio Vega. Remember um, when he had the head? Yes. Bret Hart's head, yes. That yeah. was definitely one of the creepier moments weird, in the yeah. 90s. Yeah. That was even creepy for the 90s. Think he about that He was another one that spit mist and, and stuff yeah. in people's faces as well. Yeah. Another one um, that was known for the mist as well, uh, who was also known for his time in ECW and WWE that I wanted to mention to Jerry as well. Yeah. I guess um, when he was... I guess Jerry actually speaks pretty decent English, but in America he would pull the no-speak... No, speak English crap, which really pissed off Raven when they were in WCW together. I remember hearing that. And I remember hearing John Cena actually um, talking about in Cena's early days, and you can see how far he's come when I say this. In his early days in WWE, he'd actually travel. It was himself, the Basham brothers, Funaki, and Tajiri. They would all rent a van every week and travel across America together. And... To Jerry would pull the no speak English stuff, except when he was drunk, and you'd hear from the back seat. In this type of uh, this is pretty much the way that Cena said it, with the voice that Cena said it in. I need a damn cheeseburger. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> well, as far as I'm concerned, Zena should have gone on fetching Tajiri's cheeseburgers yeah. because <laughs> Tajiri was a better worker and is a better worker yes. than Zena could ever imagine yeah. to be in three lifetimes. Let's see. I don't want to hate on Cena, but not a, no, it's not yeah. a hate on Cena. It's a but comparison. Yeah, 
I yeah, I personally am a big fan of Jerry's, and I really loved it when himself and um, Regal were ba- were matched up together. That was funny. Yeah. Um. All right, so we are heading pretty much to the end of the show. We've got time for one more song. Let's head it down to some music, a little Japanese music, one of my favorite Japanese bands. They're pretty awesome. This is Baby Metal with Megitsune on RFRadio.org, and we'll catch you all next time.
Hey, Joe. Not right now, man. Can't you see I'm working? I'll talk to you later. <sighs> I have no one to turn to. Mom's sick. Dad left. Tom doesn't have any time anymore. It'll be better off without me. This is the first lie you tell to yourself, along with, I'm such a burden, or I don't have a purpose in life. The truth is, is that every person you make contact with has an impact, like saying, Hi, how's your day, or what's wrong? Your impact can leave a positive or negative effect. A negative impact can be, Why are you sitting with us? Or, Get away from me. I don't want to talk to you. If you're contemplating suicide because of bullying, call the Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. Again, the number is 1-800-273-8255. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.